Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. If you have been following Series 7, you will know that I am talking to some of the most inspiring athletes' stories that are out there. I am talking to Canadian Paralympians, and I have one more on the roster today that will be dropping in with me for Episode 63. Now, let me give you some insight to who this is. This guest started skiing at the age of five, but at the age of seven, he was in a farming accident where he lost his left arm above the elbow. Shocking at the time, it did not stop him from pursuing life in sport. Now, I have to admit, I did have a difficult time putting this guest's accolades together in one simple bio because there's no easy way to sum up everything that he's done. So I'm going to start with the World Cups, World Cup titles. He is a biathlon overall winner. He's earned the biathlon overall podium four times. He has 37 biathlon podiums and 13 cross-country podiums. That's just World Cup, guys. We're moving on to world championships. He is a three-time world champion, five-time silver medalist, six-time world champion, bronze medalist. And we haven't even gotten into the part Paralympics yet because this is something else. He is a four-time Paralympian in biathlon and Paralympian in biathlon and cross country. He is a double Paralympic champion in biathlon at the Pyeongchang 2018 Games and the Beijing 2022 Games. He's taken home four silver medals, six bronze medals at the last three Paralympic Games. Just with the cherry on top, the 2018 Games, he earned a medal each of the six competitions that he started. And he was obviously respectfully named Team Canada's flag bearer at the closing ceremonies. Now, he also has some awards under his belt. Most Outstanding Athlete, Duke of Edinburgh Award, Gold Level Award, Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal, Member of the Order of Prince Edward, Best Male Athlete from the Canadian Paralympic Committee, Male Athlete of the Year twice, I mean, the list goes on and on. This, Sun Athlete Award winner, multi-medalist, two-time Paralympic champion, three-time world champion, Team Canada guru has got it going on. I am so pleased to have dropping in with us today, Mark Ahrens. How are you, my friend? Hello. Good. And you? I'm good. I mean, just reading your bio, I was like, (laughs) wow. So impressive. It's so great to see your face and hear your voice for the listeners that are listening in today. Are you ready to drop in? I am. Okay. I've got 10 rapid fire questions for you that you have not seen. The listeners and viewers know that they are never rapid. It's just to get to know you a little bit more. So let's start with number one. Do you have a lucky charm? No. No No lucky charms. No. 
You're you're the the third person to say no. I, it's fascinating <laughs> to me. Um, okay, you have been to twenty seven countries. I'm going to ask you this: is a two part question. What would be your favorite for skiing, and what would be your favorite for pleasure? Uh, I think I'll go in reverse order. I'll, the, my favorite for uh, pleasure has been visiting family in the Netherlands. Uh, okay. Both my parents are from there, so. Uh, I've never raced there. So, um, yeah, that one's the, for pleasure, awesome. uh, for skiing. It's a tough one uh, for different reasons. Uh, I think I'm still going to go with New Zealand though. Um, it's not where I've necessarily done a lot of competing. It's mostly for a training camp, but in New mm -hmm. Zealand, it's always that little, that little sprinkle of everything, um, all in a really condensed little, uh, pocket. And it's and just amazing. And where, whereabouts in New Zealand do you train? So we go to, we fly into Queenstown and train out of just outside of Wanaka on the snow farm. Yes, that's where we would go too. I love, I got my heart. I think oh, yeah. New Zealand kind of looks like what I imagined Canada looked like years and years and years ago. Yeah, yeah, so I think so. beautiful. And I also think all our li my listeners are now going to go to New Zealand because so many people keep saying well, New should. Zealand. <laughs> Exactly. Now that we can travel, it would be amazing. All right. Number three, big city or small town? Small town. You are from Prince. You're from Prince Edward Island, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Random fact question. Um, mm -hmm. As I was Googling you, do you have a, a park named after you? I do. Yeah. <laughs> so where I started skiing at the, at then the Brookvale Provincial Ski Park um, after Pyeongchang was renamed the Mark Arends Provincial Ski Park. Oh my! Oh, so it's got uh, cross-country skiing, biathlon, snowshoeing um, on one side, but it's also got a—I I hate to say alpine, but it is an alpine area on the other side. Um, it's kind of a two-part uh, park, and um, it's also going to be the host for the Canada Winter Games next year in 2023. Awesome. And so we'll be hosting a lot of the, the freestyle events, snowboard events, and uh, on a cross-country. Yes. Nice. That's awesome. I like, that wasn't one of the questions. I just like stumbled upon it and I was like, that's super cool. We have to talk about that. Um, awesome. Number four, when you're in the gym, would you prefer to have headphones on so you don't hear the heavy breathing and grunting while you're training or you just no headphones, hear everything? Uh, no headphones, hear everything. Okay, yeah. Like I think it's, it's just everyone's doing work. And I think that's, kind of a really cool uh, piece of it. And you can just have some fun with uh, your neighbors. It's true. Sometimes I get the, I would get the giggles though at some people that were okay. like doing really heavy lifting. I yeah. was like, Oh, yeah. but that's awesome. Okay. Um, number five, do you have a favorite ever race that you like is sticks in the back of your head? Um, I think the Pyeongchang gold is still my favorite. Uh, that was just a day where it all kind of, everything came together, like the, the years of training, the, the focus on the process. Um, I, I had, I was able to control the situation. I think that was just the, the peak of performance on that day. And I was able to come home with a, my first Paralympic championship, uh, hear the national anthem and everything that came along with it. I think that was my, still my favorite race. So awesome. Oh, it makes my heart so happy to hear that too. Um, okay. If you had to choose, this is question number six. Ooh. Biathlon cross country. Oh. Which one would you 
I think biathlon. I still, I, that's the one closest to my heart. It's kind of where I got my start. Um, And I get to do the cross country. I just get little breaks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I actually went up to the Whistler Olympic Park okay. and uh, some people were doing the biathlon. They were shooting the guns and then, yep. but they were doing um, race walking in okay. there's no yep. snow right now. And no, I thought no, that was right. super fun. Very yeah, tricky can... though. Oh yeah. Still very <laughs> tricky. Yeah. Um, number seven, what would be the top place for you to train in Canada? In Canada? Oh, it's, the train, I still think it's Canmore, kind of where I've based out of. Um, it's just within an hour drive, we can have anything that we would ever need in order to be one of the best in the world. And um, whether that's in Lake Louise for the early snow, in Calgary for the physiology, the strength testing that we have, um, a major airport to get around the world uh, is always a bonus. And then you Kananaskis country, right here in Canmore, you have uh, a, a fantastic world-leading facility. So um, I think in Canada, still my favorite place and my preferred place to train is Canmore. Amazing. And you're there right now? Yep. Awesome. Uh, number eight, if you're not training, what can people find you doing? Uh, I could Netflix, just Keeping, or and you know all of them actually a little disney plus as well just uh catching up on some favorite movies relaxing um i'm doing a little bit of school here and there as well so uh there might be some studying time but also just make sure there's a little blocks of time where there's you know tv's on and just kind of chill relax um and, and recover a little bit totally necessary i actually have um dom valet she was my teammate she's in chinese medicine doctor now and she's like you just need to slow down everyone needs to sometimes slow down and just watch some netflix and i was like do i have a doctor telling me to do this okay yeah that's prescribed yeah it totally is awesome okay number nine how did the pandemic affect your training um, because we're an outdoor sport, it, it didn't really affect um, the training itself. I think mm-hmm. the, the biggest impact it had on training was just the inability to go to the gyms. Um, right. and, and so that was uh, a restriction. But it was also um, what I learned really quickly early on was to go and try to find the positives instead mm-hmm. of like looking at the restrictions and what we were losing or what I was losing in my training. Um, look at what could be gained. And so we, or the team and then I we were kind of like, okay, let's do some gym at home. And so I was able to set up the back deck and, you know, have my a little box or box jumps. I had some weights, rubber bands, and I kind of made my patio into my gym. And um, yes, I wasn't throwing around the big weights that I would in a gym, but it was mm-hmm. also working on the very small details. And uh, coming out of the pandemic a little bit, it was like, okay, I feel stronger now. And I think that was a really big piece. And we had to shift a few uh, camps around and a little less competition. But overall, we get faster through our training. And and racing almost kind of, even though we're going fast, too much racing makes us slower. And so that was also really good to just see that um, we could get focus on our training. and, And that's kind of the happy place. Yeah. And so in the winters, were you able to go out and like train with the team in Canmore? Did that work yeah. out? Yeah, that worked yeah. out well for you. Yeah. Awesome. That, uh, we didn't really have many restrictions with that. It was just, yeah, going to competitions or traveling um, elsewhere for training camps. I was kind of restricted a bit, but we could mm-hmm. still do the work right here in Canmore. 
Awesome. Okay, number 10, the last one of the rapid fire, then we can talk Paralympics all the way. Um, number 10, if you weren't skiing, what would you be doing? Uh, I think Four my, Olympics, the, a lot of life. Um, the easy answer for me would be I would try to be refereeing soccer. Uh, it's something oh, I grew up with and okay. I loved it. And I, I always felt my, I could do that as a, a career even. Um, I think I would need to do a little bit on the side, but, uh, yeah, that would be something I would have pursued, um, had I not followed, uh, down this, uh, incredible journey of being a Paralympic skier. Amazing. So that is something we do have in common though. I started in 2006 at the Olympics and went to four, you've gone to four Paralympics. I mean, a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, that's like, that's great. They're really proud. But at the same time, do they realize how much life it is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, you know, easily 16 years of just focused on one thing. Exactly. And, and out of those years, is there like, obviously you talked about the gold medal in Pyeongchang. What were the first games for you like? Well, the first games being in Vancouver were just really special. Um, and I think that's kind of, even though I had started my Paralympic journey, uh, going to my first games, it wasn't until ex the experience in Vancouver that really kickstarted this drive um, to excel at the Paralympics. Okay. Um, I was kind of, you know, I had just gotten my first podiums in both cross country and biathlon. Uh, within a month before Vancouver, and I was thinking, okay, the, that hometown hype is going to, you know, help me get to that. You know, I, I knew I wasn't going to win, but maybe I could slip, slip on there for that, that bronze or, or maybe even a silver. Um, and at home, that would have been something truly special. But I, what I wasn't prepared for was the level of um, performance from my competitors when we got to the game. And, you know, I was right. one of, I was the young kid. I had only done two, three years of World Cup at that point. Yeah. Um, and these other guys had, you know, decade long careers. And this was their focus. Vancouver was their focus. And yeah. so that was really eye opening to say, okay, this, there is a different level at the games and seeing that in Vancouver. Um, and it was really, it was really nice because I had my parents there and it was just kind of a really nice safe environment for me to kind of experience that those games get my feet wet and and learn what the games kind of meant yeah. but I remember flying home and being like okay this is what I want to do I want to be one of the best in the world it puts and, a fire and, under you yeah exactly and and I kind of it was eye-opening and, and understanding what it was going to be to be the best mm -hmm. and it like did so take pre preparation for four years in order to do that totally and so going into Sochi was like, okay, now I was driven, um, you know, the 2011 season uh, might be my, actually my most successful season. I was, uh, I never left the podium until the very last race of the world cup season. Um, and I was, I really had no business racing. I was so sick. Um, I just, I wanted to race that last race and, uh, and that was, yeah, I, I shouldn't have, but I did. Wait, you said but, you were uh, sick. Oh yeah. Totally sick. Oh. They all I've, over the last the two days before I hadn't eaten anything like a, a brown bun. We were in or like a white uh, bun in Germany. That was oh, all God. I had eaten. Um, oh. And so I like downed a gel just before the race because I felt good enough to like keep that down. But yeah, first lap was okay. Second lap, I yeah, there was nothing left. Um, oh my gosh! But for me, that was a really cool experience. Um, yeah. 
because it was like, okay, focus on what you can control. And I'm like, well, I don't know how much speed I have. I don't know how fast I'm go uh, I'll be, but mm -hmm. I can control the shooting. And I was the only person to clean that day. Oh um, my God, I love it. I but love still it. finished 10th. It was like, oh no. Um, but I, and I guess the, the big driving point for me to race that race was the fact that I was leading the World Cup overall. And all I had to do was finish eighth or better. And okay. I had the over, overall locked up. And the guy who was I was competing against had to finish either third or better to beat me, okay. I think. Or even second or better to beat me. Yeah. Um, but uh, because I was 10th, he finished second or first. And he got me by four points. Oh, and it was like, oh, no. <sighs> but to me, it was a really good lesson. Um, and was, that kind of kick-started that quad between uh, Vancouver and, and Sochi. Um, yeah. Again, going into Sochi, I was in great shape. A week before, uh, it was fantastic. I've never felt faster. I was focused. Everything was going well. Yeah. Until we started traveling into Sochi and the team kind of caught this bug. Oh, and all the first four or five days that I was in Sochi, I was just trying to like stay healthy, like do whatever it took to just yeah. like alleviate the symptoms and, and try to get healthy. And I was kind of limiting my skiing and just making sure that I, I rested as much as I could, try to get, you know, the fluids into me, keep the energy mm -hmm. up. And I started that first race. And I, I didn't know, again, didn't know what I had left. I was just like, okay, we see what happens. And uh, I was one of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, starting the race, I had a really good first lap. Um, I got to the mat, shot my first shot, hit it. Okay, awesome. That's a good start. Um, got the second one, got the third one, got the fourth one. And after, between the fourth one and the fifth one, I'm like, I got this. Yeah. As soon as I said that, I missed. I'm like oh no so you and so i got up and i like i limited my skiing before i hadn't even skied the penalty loop before in practice or in training and how and long so, is the penalty loop usually so a penalty loop is 150 meters so okay. somewhere between 20 depending on conditions 22 to 26 seconds okay oh. and i i take my first step into the penalty loop i'm like this is my direction this is good for me and so I, I kind of race to the penalty loop. I do my second lap. I'm like, but I, I knew that you had to shoot clean in order to win this race. Okay. Um, so I'm like, okay, I can still fight for maybe a silver, maybe a bronze, but I can still fight. Yeah. And got into the second bout, hit my five targets, um, you know, and then put everything I had left in onto that last lap. Come across the line and I'm talking, you know, getting changed, talking to our psychologist and he's got a radio that's on um and i can hear our coaches talking about the other athletes and i'm like you got to turn that off I, I can't handle this okay and um finally my coach comes in he's like congratulations gives me a big hug he, you know that was awesome yeah and i'm like what was it oh. and he's like you're silver yeah but do you know how close it was and i'm like uh no and he's like it was 0.7 of a second I'm behind gold and so we raced, that was a, a 21, 22 minute race. And it came down to 0.7 of a second. So and wild. The, yeah. And then the coach is like, do you know how close it was to third though? I'm like, oh God. no, he's like 0.7 of a second. So the podium was separated by 1.5 seconds. Wow. And 
like I said, I thought that the uh, a win would you have to go clean to win the race. Yeah. And the first six people all missed one shot. And all six would have, had they gone clean, would have been close enough to win the race. Oh, my God. It's just, you never know what's going to happen. No, no. Um, and so I kind of, the next day, you know, that took a lot out of me, got sick again, or worse. Kind of brought it back for the second race. I'm like, okay, I think I've, I'm feeling better. I'm getting around this. Uh, I skied to bronze. Um, and then that was it. That was, I, the next two days I was just so yeah. sick and it was like, that's, that's the end of the games. Really. Do you know what you caught? Like some kind of bug? Yeah. Some kind of, I think, uh, where we were based, uh, for our training camp, I think the wait the waiter might've been a little sick, kind of hiding a sniffle or something like that. And that we, that just, because we were so on the edge just in yeah. that final week to games, um, that just put us, pushed us over. Yeah. It's and, so funny. And so, I, I mean, left. it's not funny at all. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, it's part of, it, it is what it is, right? We'll mm-hmm. have, we like, a, you know, two races now I'm talking about that I've actually been sick. Um, and, uh, but I left Sochi hungry because I knew I was better than that. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, silver, bronze was fantastic, but I knew I was better. Um, and over the next four years, I say it was kind of a joke, but it very, it was a huge motivation for me was, I'm using four years to get 0.7 of a second faster. I hear you. And it, I knew I'd have to be faster than that. Um, yeah. But, and then of course I was, but uh, that was the idea. Like if there were days where I didn't feel good, I was feeling tired or it was really crappy weather or something like that. Um, it was like, okay, I need to be 0.7 faster. And that was kind that of was the motivation, your motivation to get out there and, and train, um, you know, push for that extra interval, uh, things like that. And, that led into Pyeongchang and then Pyeongchang was just everything was perfection and coming together. Yes. I, uh, it was just like, uh, we joked that we go to the games and we eat, sleep, race, repeat. And that's what I did in, in Pyeongchang of the seven races there. I did six of them. Um, and we only have nine days of the games. So, um, <laughs> quite literally eat, sleep, race, repeat. <sighs> I remember my first games, they were 2006. So I was a year ahead of you. And then, yep. okay. um, and 2006, we shared a village with the biathletes. And uh, I remember one of my teammates, he had cards and he's like, hey, do you guys want to play cards? And they wouldn't even think about touching anything that wasn't theirs. Right. And, and this is like, yes, now we've gone through a pandemic and we understand that. But mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 22 years old. I didn't know what it was to represent Canada. I was like, these people are on another level. Yeah. But I mean, having you break it down for us in that sense, like you're competing pretty much every day. It's, it's, yeah. and, and the fact that you got sick just at the training camp before it, it all does make sense. And you guys have these like, bodies that you need to take care of whereas snowboarders were a little bit more loose <laughs> fair enough yeah but i think i have so much respect for you guys so gold in pyeongchang did you guys got warm weather there didn't you yeah it was yeah. uh i think After the our warmest vortex. was 15 maybe even 16 degrees was our warmest i was envious because we had that polar vortex yeah, before you yeah, guys exactly came. and and it was something we kind of expected um we expected that warm like it was as soon as right at the tail end of the olympics we figured that that's where it would shift Change and then it. just go really really hot like <laughs> that's when the yeah almost 
Um, I definitely race in very short legs and, and pretty much no arm uh, sleeves because Is it was that, that hot. Did that like change anything for you at all? Like, do you, did, do you have wax techs? You wax the skis yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So they, they were aware of that. They knew that that was to be expected. They were prepared. And um, the Canadian team is actually very good in these because we're so used to racing in March with the Paralympics. We're used to these warmer weather temperatures. So Vancouver was wet and warm. Uh, Sochi was wet and warm. Pyeongchang was wet and warm. And Korea, uh, uh, sorry, China, this last one, uh, yeah. was uh, wet, warm, and dirty. Right. In the end. So it was. What do you, we're wait, very, what do you mean by dirty? Like the, the snow, snow was, was so dirty? dirty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so it just wrecked your skis. Um, they were just, nothing could go in them. There, there was just nothing that would make them fast. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's, let's, let's just rewind because yeah. you, you got your gold you, and a million other medals in, uh, in Korea, <laughs> in Pyeongchang, you were flag bearer, mad kudos. I think that's the coolest thing. Thank you. Um, it's so respectful. It's, it's, it's one of the, I think one of the coolest honors. So many congratulations <laughs> on that. Then you're like, you had this fire. You're like, I can do better. I can do better. So what brought you to 2022? Um, I think like Pyeongchang was, uh, the peak of, at that time, but, um, yeah. I knew, and that was the question I asked myself right away, like flying home was, okay, I can't top this and I'm not coming back to repeat it or top it, or sorry, I'm not coming back to repeat it because yeah. repeating it is not going to be good enough. And I needed to evolve from Pyeongchang into, uh, the racer I would be in 2022. And yeah. I think that was really at the time there was hard because there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of pressure too, because, you know, what would I consider a failure and, or what would other people consider a failure as well? Because right. is, you know, one is less than six medals a failure or is, uh, something else. And, and so that was, that was tough at times, um, to kind of balance that. For sure. But for me, that my focus was on just evolving and performing on the day. And, yeah. um, you know, circumstances are, each games are different. You're a different athlete in each game, um, whether it's maturity, whether it's just time, you're skiing faster. Um, may, in biathlon or cross country, especially, there's different techniques. Yeah. So sometimes you're stronger in one technique than the other. And um, depending on the race schedule, you might have more races that favor you or less races. So it was just kind of finding that balance to Pyeongchang and, um, but also having that date of March 5th was the date yeah. that I had yeah. circled in my calendar, in my mind. That's when the game started. That was my first race and awesome. I needed to be ready for that day. Okay. And you went for it again. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Maybe just... six races was a little much. Uh, in Beijing, but, um, again, uh, God, I sound like I'm always getting sick, but, uh, yeah, there was, Did uh, you? caught something a little bit in Beijing and, um, that's, I don't think it affected the race, uh, the race after, but it affected the races later on, um, because I had lost that recovery. I wasn't able to, those big days really took it out of me and, um, being sick within that, I was just. I wasn't able to get that recovery and then really be able to maintain that energy level throughout the race or throughout the event. Right. Oh my gosh. What a journey for you. And you're still in Canmore. Mm -hmm. um, 
Okay, so at my Olympics, I had Marnie Mick being there as our mentor most of the time. And then at each Olympics, I saw her and she's like, well, how are you going to do at the next games? How are you going to do at the next games? And I was like, dude, I literally just finished competing. Yeah. And I and I and I realized that you literally just finished the, the Paralympics. Um, and this is like the question that you probably get asked all the time. Are you are you still training? I'm taking, I took, um, I had, I needed a little bit of a surgery on both heels. So okay. I'm taking a couple of uh, months here, but I, I kind of planned it out that I, I kind of bartered with myself really. And I right. said, I'm going to take the first break that I've taken in my entire career and take four months. Um, but by taking these four months, I hope I can recharge, let the body recover, recover mm -hmm. from surgery itself. Um, and then focus on the next four years. Okay, so uh, I have a question for you. Do you still love it? I do. And and then now the last week or so, I've definitely, I've, you know, taken a coaching course and all the things are going through my head and I really want to, I want to be out there and applying it, but I know that I'm not, the body's not quite ready yet for that. Okay. Um, still need a little, a couple more weeks of healing before I can really get out there and, you know, start the, the skiing, the running and, and getting those things and uh, being able to apply what I've kind of learned and, yeah, and excited to start that uh, this next season and this next squad. That's so exciting. They say older and wiser, and I do agree with that. Listening to your body is the is probably one of the hardest things to do. I think for me as an athlete, mm -hmm. um, I always wanted to push through and onto the yeah, next. Yeah. But um, being retired now, I'm like, okay, self care is a thing. Yeah. I don't want to be chronically in pain. So uh, if if I have any advice, it's, it's take care of it now and do take that time because we love watching you and I can't wait to see what happens next on your journey. You're going to beat me with probably five Paralympics and I've only gone to four Olympics, but that's it. We're, we're just really competitive over here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think no, Billy I'm, Bridges is going to go for like 10 probably. Well, I, no one can catch Billy anymore. <laughs> you know, he, what did he say to me? He said, strive for five. And I was like, Billy, I'm not going again. Like I'll go as like staff or something, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Sorry. And Brian is the same way. Brian McKeever. He's. How many does now? he have? Six? I think he's five or six for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, five. Sorry. He's five. He's one ahead of me. Yep. <sighs> okay. Well, I hope yeah. you catch him up as well. <laughs> yeah, yes. And who knows? There's some uh, whispers over in Whistler and, and Vancouver. Uh, 2030 is not that far away. Oh, my gosh. I know. Okay, well, I'm hoping you hang on for that. Yeah. I will be right there with my pom-poms cheerleading okay. everyone on. And uh, I wish you the best. Where can people find you online if they want to find out what you're up to? Uh, I think the easiest is uh, the website, markarens.com. CA or at Instagram, Mark Renz. I think that's awesome. not that I post a lot, but that'll keep you kind of in uh, in the loop of where I am and what uh, what's going on. Thank you so much for dropping in today. One quick last question. Where do you keep all your medals? Uh, just on a shelf. <laughs> okay. They are displayed, kind of. Mm, they're in the boxes. <laughs> awesome. Some Mark, of them. Thank you. The others are stored away. <laughs> That's like a total Canadian thing, I think. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Awesome. Thank you so much for dropping in today and best of luck with the future. Thank you. so much for dropping in today you can find everything you want to know about dropping in with mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com don't forget to subscribe on apple 
Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.